your host, Nick Ginsberg, and you're listening to The Open Drive, a podcast focusing on authentic living and defining your own path against the odds. Hi there, welcome to episode five. Thank you so much for listening. I am so incredibly grateful that you are joining me on this journey. And I really truly mean that from the bottom of my heart. So thank you so much for listening. Also, I wanted to welcome anyone that's listening for the first time. Hello, um, I'm Nick, lovely to meet you. Uh, If you are listening for the first time, I do suggest that you listen to episode one and work your way through the series because uh, it gives you, each one kind of flows into another and there, uh, it gives you a bit of context around uh, what I'm saying as these episodes roll along. If you're a return listener, thank you so much for coming back and listening again. I love it. Now, quick reminder, this podcast does cover a, a few dark subjects. So we will talk about childhood trauma a fair bit. We'll also be talking about addiction and mental illness or mental health. So now that we've covered that off, I need you to do something very important for me, if you will. I need you to make sure that you're following both myself and the podcast Instagram accounts, please. So my Instagram account is at Nick Ginsburg. The podcast Instagram account is at The Open Drive. No underscores, no stars, no full stops, no stripes, no nothing. Just as they are. Also, make sure you hit subscribe wherever it is that you're listening to this podcast. I would love for you to do that so that you don't miss out on any episodes. So let's kick off episode five. And in this episode, I want us to talk about addiction. I want us to look at that a little closer, if you're willing. I wanted to talk about the impact it has on a family and particularly a kid. Remember, I'm talking from my point of view. This is my life that I'm sharing with you and what that meant for me growing up and what it meant for the family dynamics growing up. I also want to talk about how I've managed to stay substance free. So I don't smoke, drink, do drugs, nothing like that. Never have. I've had two sips of alcohol and I want to talk about how I've managed to do that Uh, really uh, when there's been a number of times where I could have easily gone out drinking and partying and all of that. So I wanted to talk a bit about that as well. So let's get started. So as you all know, I grew up with both of my parents having addiction issues. So my mum was an alcoholic. She's a recovering alcoholic now, which is fantastic. And Louise also drank very heavily. She self-medicated. She uh, was addicted to gambling. And mum did all of that stuff too. But alcohol was her um, prime uh, uh, issue, I would say. The interesting thing I found as a kid growing up with parents who struggled with addiction is the I got very good at keeping that secret So even really young, you know, you'd have like seven-year-olds, six, seven-year-olds that would blab their family secrets to anyone that had listened. That was never me. I never spoke about it. It was never something I wanted to talk about. Um, And that obviously came from a place of shame. And I knew that it 
it wasn't right and that it, there was different something different about our family. Hilariously, not the fact that I had two mothers, um, but everything else. So, yeah, I, I guess that level of secrecy and it grew and that evolved a lot. So what happened is a lot of the times, particularly when I was, when I started dancing, uh, people would ask how I'm traveling. And I know it's a bit of a tough time for you at the moment at home was a question that I got asked a few times and I just go, Oh no, 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 everything's fine. It's like that hiding. I wanted to hide it. I didn't want to acknowledge it. I didn't want anyone else to acknowledge it. I didn't want anyone else to see what was happening at home. And I think in part that was because my parents were obviously, because with addiction comes a lot of shame because you are embarrassed that you have the addiction, then you're embarrassed that you aren't able to control it, you're embarrassed for falling off the wagon. All of those things lead to shame, right? So I'd imagine that I felt that as well as in sort of an imprint from my parents. Um, so there was that layer as I was a kid, which I found uh, interesting. And it really wasn't until I got older, I was in my teens before I started talking to close friends about family life and what it meant, even when I ended up living with family. So there was a period during my early teens, uh, which we will go into much deeper where we talk about sort of my age 13, where um, I ended up going to live with family and then friends and all of that. But even then I never really spoke about it. Um, and But it was around then I started getting comfortable with sharing with people, but it took a few years. It took a little bit to get there. Um, and even as so much as when I first met Ricky, my husband, I think we'd been dating for maybe two weeks. It was super, super, super early days. And I thought, I'm just going to lay everything out. All of my baggage, here it all is. Let's open the suitcase and see if you want to hang around. Silly, like, I, I get it. It's silly. Like, it was kind of my way of giving him an out, which was stupid. And he clearly didn't take it. But I talked to him. I opened up and told him everything. Um, and... He stuck around, which was impressive. So, um, uh, so yeah. So it, it, even like even now, sharing this on this podcast, there are there are moments, and I'm sure you can hear it in my voice, where it is really hard to talk about some of the stuff because it has been buried for quite a while. So that's that's sort of one aspect of the impact that addiction has on family, which I I sort of wanted to, to share briefly. The other thing is, is the internal dynamics of the family shift permanently in my, in my view. So I never knew Mama Louise pre-addiction. So I just want to make that clear. So I, they had these well before I was born. Um, they had very bad episodes before I was born. My, my wider family has had has dealt with this for a very long time. So when I was born, there was bad times before I can remember. And then obviously, as I got older, they realized I'd start noticing stuff. So they tried to hide stuff and right of that. Anywho, <laughs> the, the thing that changes the dynamics is that addiction almost creates uh, a separate 
so, so two separate people out of one whole person. And I don't mean split personalities. I understand that is a very, very different thing. That's not what I'm referring to. I'm talking about my mum, for example. Sober mum is amazing, is loving, is caring, is warm, wants the best for me, wants to make sure that I'm okay. But drunk mum is incredibly selfish. And not because she's she's an addict, but that's just what she is. It's all about her and it has to be her. And uh, she's messy and sloppy and uh, quite horrid. Like I, I didn't want to be around her when she was drunk. Louise also was similar in terms of this split, um, uh, almost like a Jekyll and Hyde type thing. So Louise, sober Louise is sweet and innocent and uh, calculated, but sweet and innocent. Um, but when she'd been drinking or if she was uh, mentally unstable, she was a different person. She was... She could be quite nasty, uh, hysterical, disruptive. Like it, so that's what I'm referring to. So, and what that does to a kid is, you can almost see the transition happening. And I like to think of addiction kind of like a thunderstorm. So you can see episodes rolling in, but you can't do anything to stop them, and you just kind of have to weather the storm and wait for the sunshine again. I know that sounds a bit like a Hallmark card, but that's always how I've thought about it. And that storm sometimes could last a week or it could last all night and I would have no sleep. So, yeah, I I think addiction is very much like that. It's like a storm. One of the, the... and this will transition now into how I've managed to ke- keep substance free with this one story. Um, there's been a number of moments where I went, okay, I don't want to be like that. That's not what I want for me. And one of those moments was we were at Open Drive, and as you know, that was a pretty rough time. Louise was drunk, sitting in the car. This was 10 or 11 at night decided she wasn't worthy enough to enter the house. Um, And mum was asleep in bed. I don't know. I don't know if she'd been drinking or whatnot, but she was in bed. She wasn't having anything to do with it. So I, I had to sort of coach and counsel Louise into getting into her bedroom so that I could finally go to bed. I think I was 10, maybe 10 or 11. And I can, clearly remember certain moments of this night there's other bits that are very hazy but I remember trying to coach her through that she's got to get to bed and it's got to happen and and she was very messy and in the end I ended up getting her into the room but it was probably I don't know 3am it was it was middle of the night very early morning and I had school the next day I remember that and I was wrecked. I was wrecked. I ended up getting her into her bedroom via her sliding door that led out onto a patio. So I had to walk her around the property 
I say property like we lived on acreage. We didn't. It was like a, just a normal house. Um, I walked uh, along the the sort of patio to the end and then into her bedroom. And she finally went to sleep and then I could go to sleep. But that was such a defining moment for me that I thought, I don't ever, ever want to be like that. I never want to be a burden to anyone else because of substance. I don't ever want that. So I was young and I remember thinking that. Obviously my thoughts weren't as formed as they are now, but that that still stood. I did not want that for me. That was not going to be me. You hit teenage years though, and you get tested. Just like test, 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 test. I was very lucky though. And I, and I, I, well, luck, I'm not, I mean, I chose a good group of friends, so I'm not sure if that's luck. I, I kind of gravitated towards them, but my close group of friends in high school never peer pressured me to drink. But outside of that group, there was enormous peer pressure to drink, smoke, do drugs the whole way through high school. I could have so easily gone down that path, but I didn't want to. I didn't want that. And as I hit sort of 18, 19, 20, and you start going out to nightclubs and I'm meeting boys and all of that, there were so many times I was pressured to drink, particularly Um, No one pressured me to do drugs. I think they could smell it a mile away that I was not having a bar of that. And, but they did pressure for, for drinking. And every time that happened, how I managed to, to sort of stay strong and say no was remembering those moments. Remembering the moments where mum and Louise were so messy and I didn't want that for me. I didn't want to have anything to do with that. I also knew that I there was probably a really good chance that I would have some form of uh, addiction. Uh, it's, it, it, be it alcohol, drugs, whatever. But I, I knew that there would probably be a high likelihood that that would happen with me. And I didn't want that. That was not the path that I was going on. I, that was not for me. So... I thought, rather than tempt it, I'm just not going to do it. And I think if you are someone... So if you're listening to this and you're young and your parents are struggling like mine did, the best advice I can give you, head in the opposite direction. Whatever it is that your parents are doing and if it's affecting you in a bad way, head in the opposite direction. So your parents an alcoholic, don't drink. Avoid it. You don't need alcohol. You can simply say no. One thing that I did that was, uh, and I've spoken about this in another episode, but I want to bring it up again. If people ask me even now, oh, let's have a champagne or, or uh, when I meet you is one of the biggest ones I get. When I meet you, let's go out for a drink. I can't wait to have a drink with you. I always, so if I don't know the person well enough, I will usually go, oh my God, so much fun or something like that. 
and then I'll broach it as we get closer. But if I know them a bit better, I will say, I don't drink, but I'm happy for you to grab a champagne and I'll have a Diet Coke. (laughs) Like, I will always get questioned though. Oh, you don't drink? Oh, why don't you drink? And so those questions though are fine. People are allowed to ask those. That's that's totally okay. But I will I if I don't know you well enough and I'm not comfortable with sharing my story with you just yet. I guess those days are over now though, aren't they? Um probably. Um, I I should have thought about that before I started the podcast. Um I would I would absolutely be like, "Oh, I oh, know I just don't drink. It's just not for me." was my response. Um, if I knew you a bit better, I would explain, oh, look, I grew up with parents that were, um, had, they were both alcoholics and I, I, it's just not something I want to go into. People understand straight away. The interesting thing is that I think a lot of people, when you say that you don't drink or you don't do drugs or you don't smoke, maybe not smoke, but the other two, people automatically kind of assume in Australia that it's because you have had some form of problem. Um, that you wouldn't choose to do that on your own accord. Which I think is interesting because I know lots of people that don't drink that much. I know lots of people that only have like maybe one drink a year. My husband's included in that that group. He will have maybe one or two drinks a year. How I managed to find a guy, a gay guy that didn't drink, do drugs, smoke, go out and party, I still have no idea. Why do you think I held on so bloody tight? Um, to be fair, he held on to me too. I'm very lucky, but (laughs) but I I was like, let me tell you that as soon as I found one that didn't drink, I was like, oh my God, how did this happen? But anyways, he's amazing. He's amazing. Um, but there are people out there that don't drink and they don't have my story or they just choose not to, and it doesn't sit right with them or whatever. So I guess what I want everyone to take away from this episode really is to understand the dynamics that alcoholism and addiction can cause within a family. Um, And that those are lasting impacts. And I understand addiction is an illness. It is not just as easy as flicking a switch to say, well, I'm sober now. That's not how it works. And we'll talk about that in more detail because mum and Louise tried, I would say once every three months to get sober my whole childhood and none of it worked. So it's not easy and I understand that. But externally, the impact that it has on kids is long-term and, again, this is from my point of view, your natural instinct of going, oh, I know you're having a tough time, maybe isn't the best way of tackling it, just being there for them and being a safe place where they can have fun and laugh and not think about what's happening at home is probably the perfect response. For me as a kid, it was. And there are lots of people that did that for me and I'm forever grateful. So the other thing is that if you don't want to drink, don't drink. You don't owe an explanation to anyone. And remember You are in control of your life. You decide where it goes. Your experiences should never define what path your life takes. That is not, that's not how it works. You get to choose where you want to go. And I am such an example of that. And it has taken me a long time 
to say that. I should be an alcoholic addicted to drugs living on the Gold Coast getting Centrelink. I know that may seem funny and it's okay if you giggled. Um, It really is okay if you giggled. I'm okay with that. But that's where I should be. If you looked at my story and thought about it, that's where you would assume that I am. And I'm not. I live in Melbourne. I have a great house. I'm married. I'm sober. I have a fantastic life. But I built it out of choices that I made. So I'm going to leave that. I'm going to just leave you with that. That I think that's a good way to end. So remember, you can follow me and the podcast on Instagram. So at Nick Ginsburg or at The Open Drive. And make sure you subscribe to the podcast. It is important so that you get notified for when new episodes drop, which will be every Wednesday. So make sure you've subscribed because I want you to be able to uh, keep up to date. Make sure you don't miss an episode. And remember, reach out, say hi, tell me a bit about your story. But I want you to have an amazing day, amazing night's sleep, amazing drive to work, whatever it is you're doing at the moment. Have a great time. I will talk to you in episode six. Have a fantastic day. See ya.